Welcome to Let's Review RN. My name is Bryn O'Donnell, and I'm a certified adult and geriatric nurse practitioner. I work as a cardiology APN and function as a visiting professor and clinical instructor for a BSN program. This is an independent production by myself, and I am not representing any educational institution. My goal is to deliver a condensed but robust review on topics primarily discussed in Adult Health 1 and 2 and some pieces of pharmacology of a bachelor degree nursing program. Over the years, I've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic, which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting. I want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together. Welcome to today's episode of Let's Review RN. Today we're going to talk all about hyperlipidemia. You may also hear this referred to as hypercholesteremia, but it is essentially a synonym. Hyperlipidemia is an abnormally high concentration of fats or lipids in the blood. When we initially think about cholesterol, we think of the three major things that we often hear about, LDL, HDL, and triglycerides. LDL cholesterol is often referred to as the bad cholesterol because it can collect on the walls of the blood vessels, which then in turn increase your risk for heart attack or stroke. But not all cholesterol is dangerous and not all levels of cholesterol are dangerous. Your body needs some to protect its nerves and it also needs it to make healthy cells and hormones. Some cholesterol does come from the food that we eat, but also our liver synthesizes cholesterol as well. Cholesterol doesn't travel on its own in our body, and therefore we use proteins called lipoproteins to carry it to the destination where our body mostly needs it at that point. HDL is considered the good cholesterol because when LDL is not used, HDL is used to carry it back to the liver where it is flushed out of the body. Triglycerides store the calories you eat but don't use. Increased cholesterol doesn't necessarily make you feel bad, but deposits pile up in your blood vessels and it can make blood and oxygen delivery to your organs very difficult. If plaque builds up on your arteries, this is also known as atherosclerosis, many problems can arise. For instance, myocardial infarction can happen due to decreased blood flow or blockage from the atherosclerosis plaque. This can break off and clot a coronary artery due to a fat embolism. Coronary artery disease, which then in turn is a precursor to an MI, Stroke is also a risk because of plaque breaking off and blocking blood flow to the brain. Dementia is another risk due to vascular dementia, which can be caused by increased cholesterol. Also, pancreatitis and erectile dysfunction. When LDL deposits, macrophages come in to eat the fat, and foam cells form from dead macrophages, causing fatty streaks. Platelets will bump into these deposits, releasing derived platelet growth factor, which then recruits smooth muscle and form a capsule or plaque around the aggregation. Narrowing of your blood vessels and increased blood pressure can result. The most common location for atherosclerosis is the abdominal aorta. The second most common is the coronary arteries, and the third is the popliteal artery, and the fourth are the carotid arteries. Risk factors for hypercholesteremia include hypertension, diabetes, smoking, and increased LDL. These are all modifiable risk factors, and they all damage the blood vessels. Non-modifiable risk factors include age, gender, and family history. The question then becomes, how do we treat hyperlipidemia? 
First and foremost, lifestyle modifications are encouraged. So we want to encourage a diet that's high in healthy fats, such as extra virgin olive oil, fish, nuts, avocados are great. And we want to encourage a diet that's low in unhealthy fats, low in cholesterol, and low in refined processed foods. For instance, we eat a fatty meal. Leftover, non-water-soluble fat in the bloodstream is then transported with lipoproteins into the liver. We need fat and cholesterol, which helps make things like hormones, vitamin D, and bile for digestion. Cholesterol is sent out via VLDL to the tissue, and enzymes called lipases take fat from the VLDL and deliver fat to tissue. Excess fat is taken up by HDL, the good cholesterol, and transported back to the liver, which then removes cholesterol from your body. Let's talk about goals for cholesterol levels. So for instance, HDL, a goal changes whether or not you're a man or a woman. The goal for men is greater than 40 milligrams per deciliter, and the goal for women is greater than 50 milligrams per deciliter. Now, when we're talking about LDL, there's sort of a range. So the ideal range for an LDL level is less than 100 milligrams per deciliter. If you're diabetic, you have a history of heart disease or even previous MI or stroke, we really drive your LDL level down less than 70 milligrams per deciliter. Now, if a person or a patient ranges between 100 to 129 milligrams per deciliter, we really encourage lifestyle modifications, and it's not such a big deal if they have no history of cardiovascular disease. The goal for triglycerides is less than 150 milligrams per deciliter. When patients are unable to reach their goal with lifestyle modifications, we can turn to pharmacology for decreasing our cholesterol levels. For instance, statins are very highly used and have multiple roles. HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors, which are statins, block enzymes in the liver that are used to synthesize LDL, which in turn then reduces LDL. It's not a friendly drug for the liver, and the side effect is hepatotoxicity. Cholesterol fats are needed to make a certain compound in the electron transport train, and when this is not available, you can have a reduction in ATP, and ultimately muscles starve, and this can result in myopathies or muscle pain. So muscle pain is a very common side effect from statins. So when we use statins, we want to continue to evaluate a patient's LFTs. So we're going to look at their liver enzymes to make sure that they're not having side effects of hepatotoxicity, and we can also monitor their creatinine kinase, which will indicate muscle damage. Ezetimine is another agent that can be used to treat hypercholesteremia, which blocks cholesterol reabsorption in the gut. Bile acid resins are also a different agent that are used, which stops bile acid reabsorption in the ileum, and this uses more cholesterol to make more bile instead of pumping it out. The side effect to this is fat malabsorption. Fat malabsorption can lead to a decrease in fat-absorbed vitamins such as A, D, E, and K. You can also have very bad flatulence and fatty stools. Fibrates are another pharmacological agent that can be used to treat hyperlipidemia. These words have the same suffix and end in fibrates, except for gemfimbrazil.
These agents work on PPAR alpha gene that modulate fat metabolism. This in turn increases HDL and lowers LDL. The side effects again are myopathies, so you definitely want to avoid fibrates with statins because your chances of creating myopathies are even greater. Lastly, I'll talk about niacin, which is vitamin B3. This vitamin B3 inhibits hormone-sensitive lipase, which then lowers LDL secondarily to lowering VLDL and results in elevated HDL. Side effects are hyperglycemia, hyperuric acid, which can lead to gout, or even an inflammatory process in the cells, which can lead to elevated blood pressure. And you can also see flushing of the face by increased prostaglandins. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.